Hey class, uh, another week's edition of History Through Film, the podcast. This is Mr. Neil talking, and with me today I've got a couple of guests. Uh, one you know, one you may not know. Uh, I've got Coach Dunn here. How you doing, Coach? All right, how's it going? Doing just fine. And then uh, I got an old friend of mine who actually introduced this movie to me. Uh, this is Dr. McKenzie. How you doing, buddy? Hello, how's it going? Yes, I love this movie. Uh, are you are you going by Dr. Bob now? What, what's the, what's the No, y'all can just call me Big Rob. That's fine. No doctor needed. <laughs> okay. I'm not doing that. Uh, <laughs> Robbie's fine. <laughs> so today we got we got you on, you both on to talk a little bit about this uh, this movie that's on Netflix. It's been on there for a long time. I really hope it stays a little bit longer. So if you uh, you haven't seen it yet, kids, go go jump on and watch The Last Samurai. Uh, this is one of Tom Cruise's, I don't know, middle-of-the-road movies as far as, like, um, where in his career he was making it. You can tell that because of his long hair. Um, but before we get into the actual, like, cool scenes and whatnot, I want to talk a little bit about the history behind this movie. Um, so we did, all did a little bit of research. Uh, we're going to talk first, like, did this actually happen? Yes or no, sort of. What did y'all learn? Um, Julie, well, we'll start with you. So yeah, so uh, I did a little bit of like half halfway internet research and then uh, I looked at Wikipedia. So uh, there's actually like a combination of different things like coming together here. Um, and it's really interesting to see like all the themes that like they're, they're putting together. So you have the Meiji Restoration um, of Japan, uh, which is where all these shoguns try to like put their differences aside to come together to uh, try to westernize their country. And then um, you have the Satsuma Rebellion, which is, of course, a, a samurai rebellion against the westernization of the country. You have the Boshin War, which is where you have the, like, these colonial influences coming into the country to, um, you know, like pick a side and to try to um, get involved in the Civil War. So you have the British and the French getting involved. And then you have like something that's totally out of the country. Uh, uh, you have Frederick, I think, Townsend Ward, who's an American who helps the Chinese in the Taiping Rebellion. So it's like a lot of different things that have just come together to create this. Uh, this well, it film. made a really good story. I mean, yeah, that, it did. that's for sure. For sure. Um, what about some of like the little things you guys picked up on that were like, oh, it was cool how they showed this, or um, you know, as far as like battles concerned, samurai uh, uh, traditions, or anything like that. What what else did y'all pick up as far as uh, just little truths to the movie? Well, one thing that I noticed, um, I was just trying to parse out which of these uh, scenes were like historically correct and which of them were maybe dramatized. Is that dramatized? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. For um, Hollywood's sake. And uh, when this movie came out, I, I Samurais were already like a part of my interest, video games and whatnot. But I started reading a lot about Samurais too. And as I became older and read more boring-ish books for, you know, a teenager, I realized that samurai were actually very cocky people. And I did read somewhere a long time ago, I couldn't go back and find the source, but um, if a commoner touched a samurai's blade, they would probably kill them because like the samurai were separate from other warriors, like an American revolutionary who killed a bunch of Native Americans. Um, they weren't just like killers, but they were like divine code you know paladins basically and um so all of a sudden you have 
these, you know, upper echelon holy warriors being told that they're no different than the common man. Like they, I don't know. I feel like the restoration maybe could have made them politicians or something to make them feel a little bit, um, you know, compensated for this change. And the for movie sure. sort of left that part out. The movie sort of like played a Robin Hood versus like white savior role, which I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Of like, um, oh, here are these poor samurai where all they know is killing and now we're, <laughs> we're modernizing and there's no place for them. But like in reality, they probably were really pissed that they aren't like the gods of the land anymore and are refusing to like help out the emperor here and are just like well i'd rather die and that's what they did so yeah, was... um go, go ahead, ahead Brett. That, that's it basically okay yeah there were only about two scenes that made you feel like the samurai were actually semi-invited to like make changes and and the, uh the first scene was um when when tom cruise's character um is is meeting the other military generals and and he's like Oh, I'm blah blah blah, and he's introduced the other guy, and he's like, he is samurai. He's like, what do you mean? Are, aren't the samurai are enemies? He's like, well, no, but samurai are like you know holy warriors. He's just kind of switched sides, and so they explain it real quick there. And then the other is when the um, uh, the head shogun type guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna call him uh, fake Rajah Ghoul. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he walks into the the uh, like the council meeting with the emperor and they're like hey take off your sword you're not allowed to do that when they didn't even stop him at the door they like welcomed him in they were like hey good to see you you know you yeah. haven't been at a board meeting in a while but hey you can't wear that sword yeah by the way take off your sword please but, yeah. yeah exactly so they didn't stop him from from actually entering the meeting um mm. and so it at least showed that hey we still respect you and everything right. you've done so far but yeah, you're right. I wish they they had a little bit more time on on explaining just, or at least uh, the government had done a little more effort in real life to kind of, um, you know, accommodate these people. I guess. Well, from what I what I read, the um, all the generals and whatnot actually were samurai, and it does show that in the movie. Uh, the guy who wins or loses the battle called, which is by far my favorite battle scene in any movie specters in the fog where they charge out of the, the fog in the forest. The first battle is the coolest scene ever, but um, he was a samurai. And remember after he's defeated, he wants the main character samurai um, to behead him. Spoiler alert. Sorry. But uh, as far as I could tell, when I read the main samurai in the movie, Yamamoto was, is that was uh, Katsumoto. Katsumoto. Um, he was historically based on a character who originally was the guy leading the charge to help the emperor westernize and then decided actually no way I don't like this and so he went and tried to form a rebellion but like the samurais it wasn't all of them that led the rebellion half of them were basically like yeah this is good we're going to help you and that's who was leading the the battle or the, the, the war to end this uh, samurai rebellion and they actually like in his last fight sent him basically a love letter being like dude you're famous you got it everything you want you don't need to go through with this and he was like nah yeah well, hold my katana on principle yeah exactly. we're gonna come back and talk about that specters in the fog scene or whatever you called it that's a sweet <laughs> band name also yeah uh, that's, that's what the, al the song name on the album is oh really okay that's funny 
Um, so let's get to the biggest question, though. Like, is Tom's Tom Cruise's character actually real? Because I think a lot of people, when when we show historical movies, the first question when the movie ends is just like, did that guy actually exist? So what did y'all figure out as far as Tom Cruise's character? Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and say no, uh, but I think he was like loosely based off of like a, like a, someone who might have been involved in like the Sand Creek Massacre, um, and so. Uh, he's just like this general guy who's like may have been involved in what I think they called it the the Washita River massacre. So they like pretty much just changed the name of it. Uh, but he's just someone who was involved in like this massacre of like hundreds of Native American men and women at the hands of uh, um, you know American soldiers. But yeah. So the, there was no American guy over there. They said there was a, a French dude. Yeah. A guy, a guy named like um, I don't know. Did y'all pick up his name? Jules something. Yeah. Yeah. Jules Brunette, I wrote that right. down. Yeah. Um, so this guy, Jules Brunette, here's what I learned. He was he was a French dude over in Japan when this happened mm-hmm. and wasn't hired by the imperial government to train right. their troops. He was actually hired by the, uh, the samurai to, to train their troops in modern warfare. And so I was like, okay, time out. So, he, you know, this guy was never really captured, um, you know, but I guess it, it – gives you more of a, uh, a dramatic feel if you say one you switch sides and two let's make him american because yeah. well tom cruise can't do a french accent yeah uh, <laughs> any other true did you, did you read up anything else on jewels um and well not not necessarily based on on him but like in china like i said with the taiping rebellion mm-hmm. there was an american who helped uh like the imperial powers at that time put down the rebellion so it's also kind of based off of uh, this American dude who comes in to help train. Uh, so like you were saying, it's kind of a hodgepodge of like. It's all thrown together. Yeah, and different, different, um, make your own Frankenstein's monster of uh, war heroes and whatever wars. else. So. And, I think, uh, and I think Rob was going to say like about how you have this idea of like the, the white man who comes in to uh, yeah. teach the, the, the foreigners, but then he also learns something of his own at the end, you know. <laughs> yeah, <It's>, well. <laughs> For the, for the American part in the Japanese rebellion, I, I watched this great YouTube video. It's actually sort of short called uh, Sabaton History. And they were great at explaining. And the Americans did actually show up in Japan before they were done being isolationists. And basically, uh, either starting or continuing a long line of threats said, um, open yourself up to us or we're going to come back in like five years and slaughter everyone. And uh, War on drugs, and so um, he basically they lay out that this was like a scene from Apocalypto or like Independence Day is the example that they use, where you have uh, isolated feudalist, feudalist Japan, and all of a sudden there are these gigantic, like bigger than life wooden structures carrying men, and like a giant fleet of them comes, and that was the Americans. So I think that's where they got like the the um, American part you know from because they did come back and japan had decided to westernize and so they helped them with the military and stuff like that um but i will give the movie credit because people do say this is the white savior trope but it's actually the reverse because you have like the you know um moralist white american soldier who's just slaughtered an entire genocidal war 
and then he comes and he's like oh these brutes they use swords but and he doesn't like actually play any significant part whatsoever in their fights at all but they like sort of teach him you know they cure his ptsd basically which the movie does a great <laughs> job of showing as a doctor i just want to throw that in there he has flashbacks he has nightmares he has waking dreams because of depression and then he actually goes through withdrawal yeah. um and you know if you sort of go through the calendar of how long it probably took them to get to the village from the fight that's probably about the amount of time that he would have withdrawn from alcohol and he's screaming sake you know like, <laughs> help me not have a seizure and die but luckily he didn't and we had the movie so yeah no joke well let's uh you you brought up the whole part with the um the truth of the americans like coming over um and and having interest in japan so before we get into actual favorite scenes i just want to bring that into the history um scope real quick uh uh coach i'm gonna go to you as far as why did us like have interest in japan in the first place um well again like they wanted to have stake in the pacific like you know this is a part of the time when the united states is becoming an imperial power a little bit before the spanish-american war uh so at this time like americans understand that for them to have a place within the, the global economy to have a real stake in it they have to have control of uh, various regions around the world. And so like Alfred Thayer Mann was like this, this naval captain um, from the same time period who suggested that he had studied uh, like all the histories around of the famous you know countries or the most uh, successful civilizations in, in, in the history of the world. And he said they always had a strong military uh, navy. So uh, the United States had to go out into the Pacific and take land little by little. And then of course they get to the doorstep of Japan, which also leads into access into China. So um, you know, just a part of the U.S. becoming an imperial power. Yeah, and China at this point was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, they were kind of closed off just because of the, um, like, I mean, Europe, the rest of Europe had already divided them into, like, spheres of influence, which, right. you know, kids, you guys kind of, that's a buzzword um, mm -hmm. for you. But uh, uh, essentially, uh, until China went full open-door policy, like, Japan was just going to have to make do. For okay. sure. Uh, well, I, have a, I have a question for you yeah. about that then because uh, I'm in this like geopolitical history terms I'm more lacking what is there anything that they were after for trade or like influence that Japan had or is it basically like the only thing left and so they're like eh, might as well go try and you know claim that uh, like goods or like a good, as far as like specific goods, um, Julian's going to be a bigger expert on that. The way I like to think of it though, at this point in history of the age of imperialism, it's the closest thing to what we saw with the toilet paper hoarding of coronavirus. Like okay. Everybody is going actually. after everything on the shelf that they can, anything mm. that they can get their hands on in Africa and in the East, if they are weak, they are, you know, at the risk of being taken over. So um, you know, I, I know that U.S. had definite interest in China because who didn't at this point? Um, but as far as like what did Japan have to offer specifically, that's not up my alley. It's, I, think, I think you're absolutely I think it's just the idea that it's this weaker place that hasn't yet been taken over and it's an opportunity to do so. If anything, uh, it was just access to the markets like in the Pacific or in Asia uh, and the ability to sell goods to those people to make you know, to make money, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, make money. Yeah, good point. 
So let's get into some of our favorite parts because I think a lot of people are interested in, in what we have to say about some of the scenes. So um, just off the top of your head, things that you liked about the movie, characters, scenes, whatever. We can go anywhere. Uh, Robbie, we'll start with you since you're the guy who introduced this movie to me. Okay. There are three parts of this movie that I really liked. First of all, it opens up with a wizened, meditating samurai having a vision with a white tiger how much cooler can you get like <laughs> that sets the stage right there like this movie's gonna be awesome and um fast forward a little bit past the boring american parts um and you get to the first battle scene and i i mentioned it earlier but you have all these um you know few the government soldiers lining up and they don't know what they're doing and you feel nervous for them and you're not on the samurai side yet in the movie you know you you're with tom cruise here and you're like all oh, these poor people they're not trained and dang it he told them that he told them they're not trained but they're like but they have guns how bad can it be and then through this forest with um all these long tall skinny trees you know no branches you just see the outline of these figures and the, the movie slows down and they're galloping and you had just heard them all like roar in unison a few times and that is just like the coolest battle intro intro i've ever seen um so that yeah. definitely takes my top pick on top of that you have like every like all the people in the front are like have these sweet helmets like the deer yeah. antlers oh, yeah viking horn helmets like and right <laughs> knew how to make their armor yeah Oh, what else? Gosh. And uh, I think that the other scenes that I like are sort of just from, uh, you know, Tom Cruise sort of earning the trust in them. And you get to see what a, a pretty accurate depiction of what um, rural samurai life was like, because that's not how it all was. That was just sort of what they were given off to after, you know, the uh, modernification. You, you're talking about those little mountainside villages? Yeah, that's just basically what the samurai were left afterwards. We're yeah. just these, and the, you know, they were used to having, uh, you know, dynasties basically, and now here they are. But um, you get to see a pretty realistic depiction, and uh, then where they try and go uh, rescue their leader, and they go full assassin mode, and they're wearing like the rice hats and all black. That was really cool. Mm -hmm. yeah totally uh done what about you um well there was a couple of things so uh, my biggest thing was like in in high school like i read about feudal japan there's this uh, fictional story by uh, this guy james clavell he wrote shogun oh uh, yeah so so yeah so like i i was like really into japanese culture in high school and this movie came out at about the same time so it's a, like and there's at that time there wasn't like really great depictions of like japan at least not feudal Japan. And so it was just super cool to just see the, the way that they were dressed, the way that they lived, just the, the scenery. Like it was, it was beautifully depicted. So to pause you on that, first off, Shogun is like, I feel one of the ultimate dad books. Like not that I've read it as a dad, yeah. but anytime you go to yeah. house, yeah. like their dad has like a 30% chance of having that for sure. Shelf. For and sure. you know exactly what it looks like too. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> You're like, not surprised. Um, and then secondly, I think I heard that FX, the TV channel, is doing mm. like a, a a series like, oh, a, like a awesome. of Shogun or something like that coming cool. soon. I don't know when. 
there's actually there's a TV show from the '70s too. I have it on VHS. I haven't been able to watch it, but um, I'm looking forward to it. So like, other than that though, um, there was like this the redemption story of Tom Cruise. Like he's like this soldier who's seen yeah. the throes of war. He's an alcoholic, and um, he still he somehow he gets thrown into the situation where he's kind of forced to deal with himself, and, like his interactions with the Japanese people. For sure. I just thought those were the two. Yeah. yeah, I think redemption is a great, great word to use there. That's what makes you feel so good about Tom Cruise's character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially because you you only start to really like him uh, when when you get to the like the rain fight scene where you where he's mm-hmm. basically fighting the yeah. uh, equivalent of the Japanese samurai leader of Globo Jim. Uh, Ujio. His name is <laughs> Ujio. <laughs> Looking like Ben Stiller, essentially. <laughs> He's, and he, he just gets his clock cleaned yeah. by this guy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love I love that battle. Just kind of the, um, you know, won't stand down sort of thing. It's very cliche, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's just a different take on it, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Just because of the cultural significance of it. And he gets um, to show, he gets to show his true character because, like, he realizes he's been living with the, the, you know the widow of this guy he just murdered in battle and so uh he's like i'll just i'll take any pain i didn't i didn't know like you know so it's uh it's yeah for sure um robbie you mentioned like how you you wanted to bypass all the boring american scenes at the beginning and i thought there was so much hilarity in those first few scenes i had so many questions like first off um you got this rifle demonstration where he oh. actually has a loaded gun. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that was true. <laughs> like with people and children and whatever. And then it immediately go from there to a dinner interview. Mm. Like Yeah. I, I just really hate the the his like commanding officer or whatever. I just hate that guy. So I, any scene that he's not in I'm good with. But but like if, was he the only guy like for the job? Yeah. That's, yeah. Really <laughs> that's, that's true. That's yeah, true. it's uh they they speed through that really quickly in the storyline. They get they get quick to Japan, which I'm I'm glad because you know it, <laughs> it, when it gets to the whole like shoot me scene where he's standing there with that Japanese soldier, all that tension that's building up, and you just know he's not going to get shot. Right. But, uh, I, I love those those three like quick quick quick, um, mm. a little bit of hilarity to that, um, and then favorite characters. Um, I wrote down like I mean you guys said mentioned. Katsumoto already a bunch. He was awesome. But um, what about Bob? Love Bob. Oh, I love Bob. Like, uh, the the entire samurai crew. The cast was amazing, and I didn't realize it at the time. But every time, um, you know, a great movie comes out, and I see one of those actors in it, they always kill it. And I was like, I'm just always perplexed. At, like, man, that was just an all-star samurai cast, and I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, because you have grizzled veteran Bob. Yeah, uh, you had the dude with the obnoxiously large bow and arrow. Oh uh, yeah, that was the son. That's right, uh, Globo Jim Samurai main dude. Uh, I don't know who else. I mean, any uh, other shout? Oh, I like the English guy. The English guy was funny. Oh yeah, the photographer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter Pettigrew. That's where we get Peter right. Pettigrew, isn't it? Uh, ironically, my second movie I've watched this, like in this history um, through film podcast with him in it. Uh, he was also in, I can't remember if it was Miracle or 
one of the others where I was just like, holy crud, that's that guy. Um, anyway, funny. Oh, no, it wasn't Peter Pettigrew, my bad. But I wish what? it was. Sure it was. Whatever. If he's got a, a, another guy in Hollywood that looks like that, then congrats. Yeah, to he's lost again. a lot of weight by this point. Um, I, I got to say, the Globo Gym leader, his name is in the movie Ujio. Yeah, and uh, his actor, along with uh, Katsumoto, those are the two that I see in every movie. And when I see them, I'm like, I know this is going to be quality. And I just really loved his his tough guy. He just nailed the character. Tori's a tough guy, and you can tell, you know, he's pretty rigid, but he has some sensibility about him, and he's just uh, has to be the muscle. That's his role. But yeah, I love his character. Other than that, the final battle. We haven't even, like, really talked final battle. Um, first off, a little bit of background. I read up that apparently the whole well, – they were trying to sell it as, like, the Battle of Thermopylae with the Spartans kind of thing. This was a 30,000 to 500, apparently, uh, according to the to the um, the records. So uh, they were on with that. And uh, that final charge at the end where it was basically 40 people versus the rest – that apparently really happened. Yeah, I did read um, that that 40 people did happen. Yeah, so and apparently only lasted like an hour. But mm -hmm. I was like, well, dang, I can't believe they lasted an hour with just 40. Um, but yeah, th those were insane. What else? Anything that stuck out to you as far as that final battle goes? Mm -hmm. I just update. Go ahead, go ahead, Julian. Well, I would just say like this. It, go it goes with the theme of like you, your traditional samurai warriors against like the modernization, like in the westernization of, of Japan. So you have all these like shiny weapons on the top of the hill and how effective they were. But even with, even with that, uh, the samurai were still somewhat effective. So those two clashing ideas. Yeah, it was kind of like a, you know, a microcosm of, of just, you know, what would have happened anyway if the West, um, you know, didn't, or if, with the West, uh, regardless of if they had a successful rebellion or not, like they just would have um, come in and and uh, and wreck shop eventually. So might as well have just one last stand for glory. Um, right. Anyway, that, that's kind of cool. Uh, looks I, like we might have lost. Robes, you there? I come back. I, I'm sitting at my PC. My laptop froze. You're um, good. But we're, we're, we're done talking bad unless you have something else to add. I just, I liked the part. I mean, the battle was a really fun one to watch and heart wrenching at the same time, but um, it, it sort of gets glossed over that the main thing of Bushido is that you never have dishonor and you never lose. And if you do lose, you fight until the very end and then you, you commit seppuku. I think I'm saying it right. Um, yeah. Where you kill yourself in the most honorable way. And so it, it really does seem like, why didn't they just surrender? They could have done that, but you know, that was never an option for any of these samurai. And so, um, you know, that's just the, the significance of that in the last battle. I thought was pretty great. For sure. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I think that's, that's all the time we needed for this movie. This was a ton of fun and, uh, a lot of lot of good history behind this movie surprisingly for you know whenever i see oh tom cruise samurai movie let's see where they went wrong here they did a pretty good job yeah uh, 
So anyway, uh, that's all we have as far as time for this week. Uh, kids, uh, go see some more movies, look down the list, and hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I got it. I got one last thing I forgot yeah. to tell. Go ahead. Uh, and I just have to throw it in there and interrupt the, the scheduling of this podcast because <laughs> there is a ninja scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe we forgot about it. But we have <laughs> samurai, but we also have ninjas. And what it is is that the government sends some classic style ninja. And I'm talking they're dressed in black clothes. They have black paint over their eyes. They have every different type of ninja weapon you could possibly imagine That's they right. ambush the village okay and i don't want to give too much away but well, they'll it, do it they've seen this movie okay yeah. it doesn't go it doesn't go like all the way like samurai die here and they have the cool claws they have like chains um but at the end where the leader realizes i think we've killed them all and he just sends out like a Ooh, and then they all go and that just gives you chills you're like they're so trained that this is just like nothing for them and they all know like the security call they're all dead but when i was in the theater seeing this right after that happened some kid yelled out tom cruise is so sexy (laughs) and And ruined it for you (laughs) it was great and it was on a, a scene where he was like frozen on the screen it was great on top of that like the stunts in that scene was a like kind of a mix of john wick and jackie chan Oh, like, very true. Just a lot of like Tom Cruise using like an ottoman to kick some butt, and uh, right. whereas yeah. you had everyone throw that could throw a, a knife, like hit people in the throat or whatever. It was yeah, it's very <laughs> true. Insane, insanely well trained warriors right there. But, yeah, I can't believe we forgot the ninja scene too. Yeah, couldn't leave that out. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on this pod. Um, thanks for having me, y'all. This was great. Yeah, we'll have to do this again. We'll look. I'll send y'all some other movies that you guys might be interested in. This was incredibly smooth podcasting. So, thank you guys. You guys are seasoned vets now. We'll definitely have you back on the pod. Cool. All right. Have a good one. Take it easy, guys.